We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Roto-Grinders, NFL, Food for Thought podcast. We know what it is, and we are heading into week 11 already. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you're not going to get a ton of analytics here because it's Monday to kick off the new week. But we're going to give you some takes, some hot takes, a little bit of analysis, a little bit of analytics. Did anybody put in some Miami Dolphins futures before this week kicked off? Will Priester, that's what we want to know. Yeah, I mean, I think if you got that in, I, didn't we get it at like plus 800? Was it somewhere around there? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last week, I don't, I don't remember exactly... Uh, where we got it at, but I mean, I think we were in pretty—I mean, really good, good odds. And don't look now, Miami Dolphins uh, should be leading the division. So I, I'm, I'm pretty—it's—it's it's very interesting. Now, now, mind you, I know there was a little bit of controversy last week with the Bills about whether or not Josh Allen was going to start, and he started, and they lost the game. And yes, uh, they very well should have won the game. I'm still in the camp that. Case Keenum should have been given an opportunity to earn his backup quarterback salary like 
this situation in particular, I think, is why Case Keenum gets denied. He's an experienced quarterback. They would have played a different style of football, a different brand of football, but I still think they could have won that game with Case Keenum at quarterback. Um, so, you know, uh, yes, the Bills were up 27 to 10, and then the wheels just fell off. Josh Allen throws a couple costly turnovers yet again this week. I think that's three weeks in a row now or three starts back-to-back where Allen has kind of just, you know, had this these many meltdowns and critical moments. Um, I will say yet again, Luch, that – and I guess, I guess we're already in this thing, uh, Elfin in the room, talking about the, the previous week, but I also blame Coach McDermott here. Like, it's 27 to 10, right? It's fourth and two, and you don't kick the field goal. Like, you're already up. Like, just take the points. Do you know what I mean? Can you imagine what three points would have done for that team at the end of the game? Um, And how much extra pressure that would have put on the Minnesota offense? It also would have flipped the field uh, a little bit more. Like, I just – do, do you get what I'm saying? It's like I know it's a different. Happened. He had lunch with Harbaugh this week, and he said, "Don't take oh, the points." <laughs> and, and and if you look at what Jim Harbaugh's been doing as he's beginning to take the points, what's happening to the Baltimore Ravens? They're winning football games consistently. Sabotage like, advice. Sabotage advice from his <laughs> AFC foe <laughs> coach, not a friend. <laughs> but look, guys. Seriously. Look, I don't care what how people feel. Like they look at these numbers and they look at the analytics, and guess what? Analytics are very important, but they should not override common sense. And I think sometimes we let the analytics override the common sense factor in football. Luch, if you're up 10 points in, in a national football league game, so I, I do understand that this point of it. If they get the fourth down, guess what else they're gonna do? They're gonna burn more clock. But they didn't get it, right? If you kick the field goal, you, you've got – you're taking the extra three points when you already have a sizable lead. It's, it's basically what's happening here, right? And so now not only are you adding more points, you're forcing the Vikings to say, you know what, we probably have to go for two. So not, not only do they now have to go for two, Luch, if they don't get the two-point conversion – They've also got to then go and try to score more touchdowns to catch up as you continue to move the ball down the field. Uh, I think a combination of I, – I do still think Josh Allen should not have played. I think McDermott made a bad decision going for it, you know, on fourth down when he should have taken the three points already up. But all in all, that was still uh, probably one of the more fun games we've seen this, this season. A whole lot of drama back and forth. And in the end, the Minnesota Vikings are eight and one, seven and one, and the Buffalo Bills are six and three. On the outside looking in at first place, currently, I think, as the Miami Dolphins have now uh, sit atop this division. And it's like we talked about last week, Luke. If, if Buffalo was to lose one of these weird games, they're now possibly in a wild card situation if the Jets keep winning and the and the Miami Dolphins keep winning. So it's it's very interesting to see uh, a lot to unfold. Don't worry. Uh, 
as we progress through the show, I, I will have to share a few words uh, about a topic that seems to enter this show every week. Uh, but it, it is what it is uh, at the end of the day. It's warranted. It's warranted. But the Vikings-Buffalo game was the game of the year, and we, we saw the two best catches of the season by both receivers who both played for the Vikings at one point. Stefan Diggs makes an incredible one-handed vertical catch, a catch that only a handful of receivers would make in-game in this league. And then on the other side, Justin Jefferson says, hey, this is why they replaced you with me. And I might even be better than you at this point. It's possible. It's debatable. I'm very good, too. Fourth and a million miles, this guy goes up, blanketed by many Buffalo Bills, snatches this ball <laughs> from the grasp of a grown man's pair of hands, comes down with it, does not allow the ball to hit the green at all with one hand. The Philadelphia Eagles passed on this gentleman, by the way, in the draft that he was selected by the Minnesota Vikings, and he keeps the game alive. That kept the game alive. Yeah. So what happens? Many things happen after that. I mean, we didn't even talk about the Kirk Cousins choke job, you know, calling the quarterback sneak. The guy's never made one big play in his damn life. You have Dalvin Cook, you have Alexander Madison, you have Justin Jefferson who's catching everything in the proximity of his damn bird's arm length in the game. And I get it. The quarterback sneak might be the percentage play, but I, I don't know. I just – I don't trust Kirk Cousins as far as I could throw him. Listen, I could bench pass – about 300 pounds but it doesn't mean I could throw a 250 pound man very far and I'm giving it I'm getting the ball to somebody else I'm running a bootleg at least I'm 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 getting some motion going I'm doing anything but when push comes to shove the Viking skill players stepped up but execution like all Josh Allen has to do is grab the pigskin from his friend in front of him Use that six foot five frame and just fall forward for a yard, and the game is over. The game is over. The game is history, and we're not having this conversation. People have probably left the building and shut the TV at that point. And what happens? The Bills drop the football on the goal line. The Purple People Eaters pick it back up, punch it in to go ahead at that point. You know, and then they leave you know too much time on the clock, and the Bills come down and tie the game up predictably, kick the field goal. We go to overtime, <laughs> but the Bills are just involved in one or two of these chaotic games every season. The other game that came to mind was a regular season game last year, but of course, when the Titans stuck Josh Allen on the goal line, if you're in Bills camp, you say that he fell, whatever it is. But that comes down to execution. I I cannot believe that they could not execute one snap, uh, two failed quarterback sneaks. On the same goal line, it's just the Vikings were trying to get in and the Bills were trying to get out. Uh, regardless, it's in the past. It's a tough morning for Bills camp. It's an electric morning for Vikings camp. And you know what? The cards are falling where they are right now. And that being said, we can kind of uh, – there's so much we could talk about to unwrap in that game. But to transition over here – the Miami Dolphins and Coach McDaniel, uh, he might be the most underrated coach in the league. And I know there's a lot of people pushing for a bunch of different Coach of the Year candidates, including Mike Vrabel, who is doing a fantastic job with <clears throat> really next to nothing. But I think it's McDaniel. Uh, like the leaps that there's probably a lot of people 
responsible for the growth of this team in general. You talk about it a lot. That organization went out and got Tyreek Hill. They went out and made a fury of moves, including bringing in Jeff Wilson Jr. So yeah. they, they did plenty of things. It's a, a top from the top down. Everyone's holding hands and singing Christmas carols, and all of their goals are in line with the same thing. We're winning now, and we're confident that if we bring the right tools to our guy Tua, whether it's talent, coaching, putting him in good positions, and look what he's doing. Like, this should have been a more competitive AFC game. I know the Browns' defense isn't fantastic this year, Chief, but they should be formidable. And Miami made them look like Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese out there. So yeah. are the Dolphins going to put the pedal down and, and win this division? Like, how confident are you right now in the Miami Dolphins holding on and winning this division, Will? I'm very confident. I'm the one that told you to go get your futures in last week. Uh, I'm telling you. like, so, so here's the thing. In order to win this division, initially we felt like all roads were going to run through Buffalo, right? And, and I think that was an accurate assessment. Let me go on record saying that. I think that was an accurate assessment. All roads were going to run through Buffalo. There's a couple of things that have to happen for a season to continue to be okay. And so you have to have minimal injuries in the correct spots. So Tua goes out at quarterback early this season. I mean, and it looked like this season was over. And everybody's calling for the, 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 the doctor's head, the front office's head, the GM's head. And when is the last time we talked about the Tua concussion? It's probably been a month. He's out here balling and nobody's saying anything about what happened. Winning cures all, right? So let's, let's say that winning cures all. My point is this. In order to keep up the Buffalo Bills, there's one thing you got to do if you're going to play. You got to be able to put points on the board because you're not going to stop them every drive, right? But you got to be able to score points. What's the one thing that this Miami team can do if nothing else fails? This team can score points. I mean, if you look at what they've done with Tua at the helm, they hung 39 points on the Browns. I, for one, Luke, like we've talked about how hard it is to maybe play in, in uh, New England or play in Buffalo uh, during the season, like come playoff time. Here's something else we've seen, Luke. It's hard to play in Miami. Think about down through the years how hard it's been for AFC champions to go to Miami and play football the later it gets in the year for whatever reason. I don't know if it's been the humidity. I don't I don't know if guys are out partying the night before. I don't know. But it's hard to play in Miami. Now, Luke, we talked about this team scoring points. 35 points uh, – I mean, 39 points this week, 35 points against the Dolphins, 31 points. I mean, against the Bears, 31 points against Detroit. And as, and as long as two is playing, this team is 42 against the Ravens. Like, th this team can put up points. And so I think, I think all roads are going to lead through Miami right now because when I look at the schedule, guess who they get next week at home? They're at home again next week. They get the Texans. I, I just get that. 
I get that. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but look at those road games. Those road games are going to be tests, man. Look at those are tough places to play. But do you the, do you think the 49ers can outscore the Dolphins? Like legit with all even with all the weapons, I haven't seen the 49ers have to have to be in a track meet yet. They played the Chargers last night uh or this week rather. And the defense is what helped them win that game. They were anemic on offense for a while. And, and Jimmy G put up 240. If I told you Jimmy G put up 240, would you expect this team to have scored 27 points? No, but I the but Niners, you can, they're, they're a tough team to gauge from week to week. How the script's going, uh, you, you know, that okay. after in the fold here. I know they I get that yesterday. I know, I know, but I, I get that. But who's not a tough team to judge as it's currently constructed right now? Miami. The freaking Dolphins. <laughs> Everywhere they've gone, they're scoring points. As long as two is healthy, this team is scoring points. Like, I, I just, I think, I think it's going to be tough sledding here. They got to go to the Chargers. I'm not really worried about the Chargers. Uh, the Bills game. If they beat the Bills on the road. You can pretty much hand them, I think, the AFC. Because at that point, I think the only team they could lose to is maybe the Jets. And the Jets were off last week. We got to see how the Jets performed this week. Luch, this is my last point about that particular game. And then I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. And it's actually got nothing to do with the Miami Dolphins. Here, here's, the, here's the underlying story that no one wants to talk about. Aren't the Browns excited that Deshaun Watson is going to be on the field here very soon? You can't tell me if Deshaun Watson is healthy and fully ramped up that this game is more like 39-28, 39-32, something like that. I think this Cleveland offense is going to take off with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Jacoby Brissett has done all he can do. And as long as he's the backup, which he's been, he's fine. Luch, I'm telling you today that the Cleveland Browns, while they're pretty much out of the playoffs, this is going to be a tough team. Look at who they have. They've got the Bills this week. Does Deshaun come back this week? He's eligible to practice right now. I, I think Deshaun comes back this week. I do think he'll be rusty, Luch. Here's what I will tell you. If Josh Allen is not right and Deshaun Watson can get in a groove, dare I say the Cleveland Browns upset the Buffalo Bills on the road this week. I think so. Look, Deshaun's gotten a lot of trouble. I am not an advocate for the trouble that he's been in. I am not condoning any of that. But at the present time, he's going to be playing football for the Cleveland Browns. I think people have forgotten that Deshaun Watson was probably better than Josh Allen before the bench. This is, I don't think this is a hot take. Deshaun Watson in Houston with that terrible organization and terrible team was putting up numbers like you wouldn't believe with nobody there to help him. Just one so here's Brandon Cooks. But 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 here's my point. I mean, heck, David Johnson was there for a while. 
here's my point. Deshaun Watson has weapons with Cleveland. And this offense should get a little bit better. Now, the, the, the thing about this offense is Deshaun doesn't have to do it all week one. They can run the football. He hasn't had that his whole career, Luke. He did he have DeAndre not... Hopkins, though. <laughs> no, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, you're right. Sorry. No, no, no. But I'm saying he hasn't had a running game. Sorry, I said Brandon Cooks. DeAndre Hopkins, absolutely. <laughs> but he's got something comparable in Amari Cooper. I, I'm saying with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper, and he's got uh, People's Jones there as well. The People's and Jones, baby. Listen. I, okay, I, I, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now. I think the Browns beat the Bills this week. I, I don't hate that take. It's I, I think the Browns beat the Bills this week. And I'm hoping. So here's my sportsbook play of the week right now. Take whatever points they're giving you for the Browns today. If, if my caveat is as long as Deshaun Watson is the starting quarterback, so let, let, that's that's my as, if as long as Deshaun Watson is the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns this week, take the points. And I don't think that's a hot t- like it feels probably more hot takeish than it is. But if Deshaun Watson is ninety percent of what he was, he can beat the Bills this week. I have a glass half full and a glass half empty take on Miami. My glass half full, and I shouldn't say half full, like poured to the brim take in terms of positivity is the three losses that they have, Tua did not play. There's the common denominator. That's it. Correct. Now, because we're on a podcast and I have to play devil's advocate, it's in my blood. It's in my DNA. And I got to get the adrenaline flowing a little bit on a Monday. I got to get into some prop research. By the way, Chief and I threw in two props on Monday that if I get this uploaded before dinner time, you should consider taking a look at. One's for NBA, one's for NFL, by the way. So check us out, scoresnods.com. We're loaded with picks every day. Our premium stuff's phenomenal. Parley IQ is great. What a natural plug that was. It's like I've done this once or twice. Anyway. I don't have DVOA numbers in front of me or anything. I, I don't have any of that open. I really, I don't have the, the analytical stuff because this, this ain't your mama's podcast, as you would say. But <laughs> they hung a big number on Detroit. That's fine. Detroit doesn't play defense. They rank poorly in pretty much everything. Justin Fields just annihilated them for the most part, despite a boneheaded pick six. They hung a huge number on Chicago. Same argument as Detroit. Terrible defense. Don't do anything. The Browns are not good defensively this season either. I don't care what anybody says. 39 is a huge number. I understand that. I understand that. They hung a huge number on a really banged up Baltimore team week two when the hype train started. That's when everybody got on. The The tickets were sold out and everybody jumped on the train against Baltimore. I just wish we saw some of those middle games with Tua. Bengals on the road, Jets on the road. I wanted to see him in those environments. The Jets have a pretty good defense. I mean, they scored 21 points with Tua against Baltimore. They scored 20 against New England. They scored only 16 against Pittsburgh. 
I don't want to say the jury's still out because we know in the right environment this team can put up points. We know the talent they have. I, I think I think maybe like but I think maybe maybe we're overblowing their offensive caliber here. The talent is there, the scheme is there. I really like Miami. I this isn't a bash Miami like segment that I'm spitting out here, but I think it's fair to say that I want to see Tua with all the bells and whistles in that offense. I'm excited to see him play across the country at San Francisco. I know the Chargers are banged up, but playing across the country at LA. I want to see him put up 25, 26 points at Buffalo, you know, in a couple weeks. I have no doubts that they'll win a couple of those games, but I'm excited to see him and this offense on the road, um, you know, for a couple of weeks. And I have no doubts that they're going to be right there fighting with the Bills at the end. And that Buffalo game, which doesn't have a scheduled time right now, I'm guaranteeing you that thing's going to be flexed to prime time. That's going to be one of the biggest games of the season in a couple weeks. Absolutely. And let me say this too. I've got another take since, since we're this, this might be called the Miami Dolphins podcast today. And and if so, that's cool. Uh, Here's my take on the situation. If you look at, let, let me, let me ask you this, Luch. Um, and I want your genuine response here, and then I'll, I'll get back to the rest of my take. 21 for 35, 261 yards passing, one touchdown pass, four rushes for 15 yards. How would you say those stats were in a general sense? Average? A little above average? Okay, average to a little bit above average. That those are two of stats. His first game back after the after the massive injury against right. the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's his first game back after a full week of practice, coming off of probably one of the ugliest things we've seen. One of the ugliest things we've seen on a primetime game. Hands locked up, head hits the turf, looking like he might not play again this season. He's two two to three weeks removed from that, and he comes back out, and he's 21 for 35, 261 and one, four rushes for 15 yards. They score 16 points. That's his first week back, and you know I'm an advocate for multiple weeks in the rotation. That's the same way I feel about backup quarterback. Their first week shouldn't be as good. Second week should be better. Third week should be better, right? Okay, now we know the Lions are awful. Okay, so I'm not. I'm not going. I don't want to overblow this. The Lions are awful. Second week back, three eighty-two and three, five rushes for nineteen yards. Okay, next week back, he plays the Bears on the road. One of the hottest young teams in the NFL right now. Twenty-one for thirty, three hundred two and three. Five rushes for no yards. I'm not even giving you the wide receiver production. Okay? Last week, they played the Browns. Full control of that game. Never even a sweat. 25 for 32. 285 and three. One rush for no yards. The man is putting up the numbers to get this team where they need to be. This week, the Miami Dolphins, folks, 
Are they on a bye? Yeah. Dolphins are on a bye week 11, and then they get the Texans at home. Dare I say two is probably going to put up over 300 again, maybe one or two rushes for 10 years. Week 13 is the big one. They go to 49ers. If they win that game convincingly, you go ahead and hand them the division. Because at this point, the other teams are going to be easier than this spot against the 49ers. That, that's my supporting argument for the Miami Dolphins. I think this team uh, is having fun. Getting Jeff Wilson has helped this running game. They got they got a, uh, a two-headed monster. They've got a two-headed monster receiver. They've got Tua. they got a couple of mid-name to no-name tight ends. And it's all working in their favor with probably one of the most uh, interesting head coaches in the league. They held on to Gazicki at the deadline, too. Might as well keep him in your arsenal. You might not use him every week, but you never know. The guy's so athletic. What kind of gadgety stuff? He might come down with a big red end zone, red zone catch in a huge game or something like that. So. <clears throat> I think they made the right moves. And let me tell you this. Does anybody that listens to this podcast, do you have a Tua MVP ticket from before the season? Because I want to see it. That man is 4-1 to one on DraftKings to win the MVP right now. And I got news for you, Chief, and you'll probably agree with me. If they win this division, Tua's the MVP. He's the MVP of the league. Yeah. Well, the, the I, think, I think if he doesn't, it's because Patrick Mahomes continues to go nuclear every week. I think that's the only thing standing in his way if, if they win the division. Now, and so that's what I'm saying. That, that's, that's, to me, that's the, it's like the, like Patrick Mahomes could essentially be in the MVP discussion every year. I think if he wins it this year, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of this. He didn't have Tyreek Hill, and they still got it done. And I think for everyone that's kind of looking around, I think that's going to be one of the deciding factors. And then for Tua, it's like, well, they added Tyreek Hill, and now look at this offense. If Ty So let me ask you this. If Tyreek Hill goes for over 2,000 receiving yards, do you think he's an MVP consideration? I would, but no. Because the history of the award and receiver directly correlates with quarterback, and I think I think vote I think Tua would get the votes. Okay, especially especially with the horrific injuries he's dealt with, he has like some narrativeness too with it now. Like he has the extra oomph to get him where he needs to be. You know. So how about Justin Jefferson? So 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 let me ask. And here's why I'm saying that Justin Jefferson, I think, would be considered for MVP. And Kirk Cousins wouldn't even be in the discussion. Well, we still, I mean, we we still need to talk Jalen Hurts, but. I, I'm, I'm just talking about guys in MVP. I, I'm not trying to diminish Jalen Hurts for what this is worth. I'm talking yeah. about, do you think Justin Jefferson deserves in the top five for MVP this year? Maybe. And Kirk Cousins isn't anywhere near the discussion. Do you think that's team value? Do you why do you think that is? That, that's my point. Like, we say quarterback, 
But if Minnesota continues to run the table here, what if Minnesota doesn't lose any more games? I was just looking at their schedule. But what, I mean, like, what if they legitimately don't lose any more games? Because they've already got the monkey off their back. Like the Eagles still don't have the monkey off their back. Minnesota's got the monkey off their back. I think Washington is going to play them tough tonight. I don't know when I'm going to get this out there, but if I get this out before that game, I think this game's going to be more of a grind than we anticipate. And I was looking at both schedules. I tell you what, if the if the Eagles drop a game they shouldn't, the Vikings play. Uh, I think it's uh, they have Dallas and New England. And then a pretty favorable schedule down the stretch the Vikings have. This could get really interesting for the number one seed in the NFC. If if it is, in fact, between those two teams, and it's looking like it probably will But the be. Eagles beat the Vikings, so the Eagles would still be number one. Maybe they drop two games, Chief. Yeah, the Eagles would need to lose two games, I think, right. Right. for the Vikings to be number one, only losing one. It's not out of the question, though, right? I don't know, man. We'll see what happens tonight with uh, – It's the NFL. What did you say to me yesterday that, like, everybody's alive? There's no there's no superior team in this league, right? Well, yes, but – but here's my argument here. And, and for what it's worth, I did pick the Eagles lose in – at MetLife. Like that that was the game I picked them to lose against the Giants, right? So let me just let me go back. If you've been listening to the pods, like we've gone through their schedule. I said if it was one game they were gonna lose, it's on the road in MetLife. I am not taking them to lose to the Washington Commanders tonight. I just I I can't like they're a much better team than the Commanders. You, you know what I mean? Um if there's one team I'm in the in the division, like I'm I'm picking them to beat Dallas twice. Uh it's the Giants in New York. That that's their one loss in my book. I'm just saying, just because the Eagles haven't lost doesn't mean they'll lose twice by the end of the year. Oh no, you no, know no, that. I you know that. I yeah, yeah, you know yeah. That. I I don't disagree with that at all. I just I think this team is going to be prepared enough week to week to beat teams and here's why so here's another underlying thing since we're talking about the eagles lose don't look now but jalen hurts hasn't even really been running the football the past two or three weeks you you get what i'm saying like he hasn't even really put that dynamic on display the past couple of weeks it's insane so imagine when that has to be utilized like now teams are going to be in trouble so Jalen Hurst past three weeks, 27 rushing yards, 10 rushing yards, 23. He has not even had to really use his legs to beat you. And that that's my thing, the Eagles. Like, he's just cruising right now. He is just cruising. Like, it's been at the Antonio, uh, not Antonio, it's been the AJ Brown show. Like, Devontae Smith has barely had to do anything the past couple weeks. Devontae Smith, uh, past three weeks, Luke, these are his receiving yard totals. And they're still beating teams handily. This is These are his receiving yard totals. 22 against Houston. Why? They didn't have to pass the ball against Houston. They just ran the ball down their throats. Miles Sanders and the gang just teed up. 23 against Pittsburgh. 
44 against Dallas, 87 against Arizona. That was the one game they were in jeopardy, 17 against Jacksonville. Lose. Devontae Smith has done uh, essentially nothing. Hear me out. I'm not trying to diminish his skill level. I'm saying he's essentially done nothing in the passing game for four out of the last five weeks. Luch, have they lost any games? Let's go over to A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown had 59 yards receiving against Houston. He had 156 against Pittsburgh, 67 against Dallas, 32. 32 receiving yards against Arizona and 95 against Jacksonville. Luch, have they lost any games? Well, they're undefeated. They're undefeated, so I feel like I'm okay. in school. I feel like I'm no, in no. school, and you're slapping okay. the blackboard with with the meter stick. And you're, you're here's the difference. If they haven't lost, but yet. but hear me out. Hear me out here. Here's the difference, in my opinion. Jalen Hurts is getting all the praise this year, and he should. Here's the difference in this team to me, Luke. Listen to Miles Sanders' numbers on the ground here this season. 134 against Jacksonville, 58 against Arizona. That was a game they had to throw the ball. You remember the passing, the the, uh, receiving yards were higher because the game was a little bit tight. 71 rushing yards against Dallas, 78 against Pittsburgh, 93 against Houston. What is the difference this season? There's a commitment to the run game, and the passing comes off of the run. So Miles Sanders, believe it or not, is the key to this offense. It's not Jalen Hurts. Hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. Jalen Hurts is important, but Miles Sanders is the reason Jalen is going to be more successful. As the running game's going, right, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, these guys are going to have an easier time because why? Jalen has the threat of the run. Miles Sanders is hitting holes, and if you commit too much to the run, you're going to get burned. I think the Eagles have a recipe for success. And I don't think for a minute that they're going to lose to the Washington Commanders tonight. I so so my point is I don't see the Eagles losing very many games because they don't have to even use every aspect of their offense game to game. We saw the Cowboys get rocked last night on the ground. You don't think the Eagles are going to run Miles Sanders in the game and Kenneth Gainwell and hurt? You don't think they're going to pop the Cowboys in the mouth on the ground when they play them? I don't think there'll be a need for them to even attempt to pass the ball as many times as they will need unless, for some weird reason, they just get behind in this game. I think the Eagles have a recipe for success in both facets of their offense, and I think it helps their defense continue to be successful. Luke. I'm done. What say you? I'm going to try to get this up before dinner time tonight for the people. But let me just tell you this. Let me tell you this. This is – Miles Sanders is great. Great runner with the football. Super elusive, et cetera. Very shifty. Hasn't gotten hurt this season, Luke. Ha-ha. Don't, did you have to speak it into existence? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying. That, that, that wasn't my intention. This is the biggest test for this run game, again, this season, tonight, against Washington. Now, 
they these two teams scored off earlier this year, and the Eagles still won handedly, twenty four to eight. It was fine. It was fine. But but using my best friend here, Gridiron IQ, this is by far the worst matchup for this run game. And this Eagles offensive line, I think, deserves the most credit to this team's success this season. Do you see the I can go with that, that Jalen? Do you see the pockets that Jalen Hurts is having? It's like it's like walking a crosswalk on Broadway in New York City, but you have the whole thing barricaded off. Like he he has so much r- room to maneuver. There's rarely any traffic for him. I'm not okay. saying why Jalen Hurts is having the season he's having, but this is just a football guy mention here that the offensive line at every level still to glue to success. To pretty much any football team on any level, that's where it starts, right? Man, that was some absolutely. But let let loose. Let me interject briefly. Briefly, I, I'm going to hand it right back this. to you. You got this. Remember, my my caveat was both facets of their offense is working. Yes. First game against Washington this season, Miles Sanders had 15 carries for 46 yards. Yes. Kenneth Kenneth Gainwell had nine. I mean, Jalen Hurts had nine carries for 20 yards. Yes. What was the difference? Jalen Hurts, 22 for 35, 340 yards passing, three touchdowns. Devontae Smith had his best game of the season, eight catches for 169 and one. A.J. Brown, not far behind, five for 85 and one. What are we what are we talking about here? You want to take the run game away tonight? You better get ready. And that's the ball's going to be flying around. That's my best guess for anybody playing DFS. That's my that's my best guess because the Eagles are a zone run team. They're very good at it, but it's like what what's that saying? A movable force against an unmovable object because Washington is a top 5 zone run defensive team and they're also top 5 in in containing 10 plus yard runs in the league as well. They're very good against the run. They're not good at much, but they've been stopping the run. And that game was Miles Sanders' worth rushing uh, from an efficiency standpoint, I think, this season. I wouldn't be shocked if it's the same case tonight. Now, they're talented enough that Sanders or Hurts could take an RPO and there's a missed assignment defensively and they take it 70 yards to the damn house. The Eagles have too many weapons and too many play designs and too many ways to fool you that I'm not saying for sure that Washington's going to shut down the Eagles run game, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. But I wouldn't be surprised if Washington did his job up front enough, enough to make Jalen Hurts pass the ball again. And we're going to be eyeballing some props and things like that. And I don't know how much you like narratives, but it's Devontae Smith's birthday tonight. Maybe the birthday boy balls out a little bit. And Luch, just like that, you've got, you've got me going to the prop sites, I'm going to take A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith receiving over. Just like that. I mean, thank you. I mean, what what more? Look, if, if I was going to – I may even take Sanders <laughs> under yards at this point just by virtue of what we're talking about. Maybe, so here's what I maybe do, Luke. Maybe well, I take like. Jalen Hurts – yeah, maybe I take Jalen Hurts under 39 and a half rushing yards. Hasn't, hasn't been anywhere near 40 in the past three weeks anyway. I take Miles Sanders under 68 and a half. I take Devontae Smith over 53 and a half. AJ Brown over 71 and a half. And maybe I take Taylor Heineke over 205 and a half because I think they have to pass to stay in the game. 
Well, and if you like that kind of correlation, you need to check out Parlay IQ because what Parlay IQ does on scores and odds, I'm just telling you, and you know this, as soon as you add a bet, a player prop to your bet flip for same game parlay, it'll start correlating. So if you take a receiver to hit his over, it's going to bump up the quarterback's overs as well. So everything works hand in hand and it's really beautiful. So I just, I want to give Parlay IQ one more plug here. So we kind of combined our elephant in the room with talking about a bunch of the contenders. And we're going to save Green Bay for our look ahead because they play Thursday night football. But Oh, oh come on. Don't do this, Luch. You got you to gotta let me get this off my chest. You said we're going to oh, no, save I, it. I, I, I am, but I, I want to throw, throw one more game in there. First of all, kudos to Jeff Saturday for getting his first win as an NFL head coach on the road. A guy who wasn't my a great high school head coach, whatever, buried the Raiders. The Raiders season's done. I wish Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers could have just went to counseling and, and agreed to take some pay cuts. And, and maybe we wouldn't be having this, you know, Aaron Rodgers talk every week, whatever. But another team that may have gotten buried for good this week, Chief, are the Super Bowl champions. They're three and six in an NFC. Uh, neither team starting quarterback played in that game. You would think on paper with the star power that the Rams have, Cooper Cup, if Aaron Rodgers and Jalen Ramsey, you know, have some other pieces defensively, could not get it done at home. The stick a fork in the Rams. Maybe they wish they would have sold at the deadline and picked up some draft assets to start rebuilding this thing back up. The Rams are done, Chief. Absolutely smoked. Oh yeah, no, they're 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 not getting up off the mat. Um, let me ask you this question. Do you think Sean McVay needs to lose his job? No. So what do you what do you think needs to happen with this team? I'm, I'm not saying McVay should be fired either. Here's what I'm saying. Any other coach that's putting together this stinker of a season, hear, hear me out, Luke. What we're talking about is the coach. Josh McDaniels is putting up a stinker, and guess what we're talking about? We're talking about Josh McDaniels, right? He, the guy's laying a stinker this season. If uh, the Titans were being buried this season, we, we'd be talking about Coach Vrabel. We would. Uh, we were talking about the Bears coach to start out the season because they looked so terrible. And then uh, now, you know, Justin Fields can do no wrong. Uh we were talking about here. Hear me out here. We were talking about the former coach of the Carolina Panthers. I will not mention his name because he's gone now, and he 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 was let go because of the stinker that was being laid. Now, I also understand. I also understand that they're coming off of a Super Bowl, okay? But Luch, this team looks bad. They don't. They don't just look like uh, they're playing hard and, and some things aren't falling their way. This is a bad football team. Now, maybe there was some Super Bowl hangover in the beginning, but I don't think many guys on this team are concerned about playing football the rest of the season. I think they're trotting out there to collect their checks, and then they'll figure out in the offseason. How much of that? Because I don't, I don't think you'll get this in any other media outlet. We may be the only ones, uh, Luke. I'm not saying Sean McVay should be fired. 
I'm saying, man, we may need to start taking a really co- close look at what's going on with the Rams. Here's why. My other point is this. This isn't the first time this team has looked this bad. The last season of Jared Goff was really close, despite more wins. See? that Jared Goff's gone now. We can't blame Jared Goff for this team's woes. And I think a lot of people tried to pin that bad season on Jared Goff. Maybe they should have. But this team's not a good football team right now. They had a good run last season, picked up a lot of Cinderella, shiny new pieces. Matt Stafford comes in the building. Everybody's feeling good. They get a Super Bowl. They do. This isn't the first time we've seen this from Coach McVay. How are we feeling? There's rumors that he'll he'll up and out at some point. And I just feel like he gets to band together for one more season. There was rumors of Matt Stafford not being right, elbow arm issues, dating back to From training camp. Yeah, and I, absolutely. I think that's the key cog here. The key cog is Matt Stafford getting right. I think if Matt Stafford gets right, and they keep this team intact. I think they'll compete next season, and you get in the playoffs, and, and who knows? But then again, you got to worry about Aaron Donald hanging it up too because he was very, very, very close to retiring as well in the offseason as multiple reports from credible media outlets have came out and uh, you know leaked some of that information as well. I think they run it back one more time. I think they clean up the run game. I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell happened with Cam Akers. I hope all is well there. They need to solidify the offensive line. Try to bring in some super low budget uh, band aids up front, and I think they run it back one more time in a division that um, is going to be winnable. Uh, listen, next season I understand the San Francisco 49ers have a really nice team, but. Garoppolo is going to probably go get paid to some degree somewhere else to do something. And Trey Lance has done nothing for me to move the needle. I know he's hurt, but from what we saw, we still don't know what Trey Lance is. And he's still probably going to have growing pains when he gets thrown into real game environments for a full slate of games next season. If he is in fact, the guy disappointed a lot of people in best ball. That's for sure. This season. I'm with. So I think they run it back one more time. Look, and if it's I'm with player, you, man. If, the, if it's a failure, the Rams implosion will be in the tail end of 2024, 23, you know, whatever, the, the 2024 spring or whatever it is. So that's my take. There's so many things we can talk about, and you can help, uh, you know, intertwine them into our look ahead here. But we'll start with the Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, Christian Watson coming out party. They're playing Thursday night football in a short week, hosting my Tennessee Titans who uh, had another win over Denver, missing a million people yet again. Talk to me about Green Bay Packers. I know you got to talk about some stuff here. This is a safe space here on Food for Thought for you, buddy. Oh, yeah, I got to talk about it. I am going to backtrack temporarily. Yeah, for all you, and for everyone that's going to say, well, the Rams had a winning record for the past two or three seasons before the Super Bowl. Yes, they did, but they still didn't look like a good football team, which is what I was talking about. Here we go, on to Green Bay. And so here's what I'm going to say, Luz. I've talked about this before. I'm not going to attack Aaron Rodgers because they did not lose the football game. So this isn't about Aaron Rodgers losing, okay? I still don't think Aaron Rodgers is great right now. So let me me just clear the air. I am not going to go on here 
and talk about the Green Bay Packers losing because they did not lose. I think the pivotal statement that introduced Aaron Rodgers to this podcast last season, Luch, I think you'll remember this. My point was this. Aaron Rodgers may very well be the greatest game manager of all time. That is the statement, if we can remember, and Luce, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that is the statement that introduced Aaron Rodgers and injected him into our podcast veins. Would you agree or disagree? Carry on as you are. The Green Bay Packers won yesterday. 31 to 28. I'm going to read you Aaron Rodgers' stats from a winning football game that was 31 to 28 against the Cowboys. Not a bash on Aaron Rodgers for winning. I'm actually excited that they won the football game. Aaron Rodgers was 14 for 20. 224 yards and three touchdowns. Jones, 24 for 138. A.J. Dillon, 13 for 65. Aaron Rodgers made some incredible and timely throws to Christian Watson to boost the yardage total to 224. Christian Watson had 107 of those, four catches, and three of those were touchdowns. The Green Bay Packers won this game. Once again, Aaron Rodgers, the greatest game manager of all time, threw the ball 20 times for 224 yards. This is how this team wins football games. Aaron Rodgers isn't the savior, folks. He just needs to make a couple timely throws, and you'll see the results. I rest my case. Listen. The Tennessee Titans are top three in the league in using the most number of bodies again this season. What is wrong with this health staff, the health and fitness staff, the strength training that they have? Their defense is coming around. I'm hoping Jeffrey Simmons plays this week. He didn't play last week. Christian Fulton, number one corner, didn't play against Denver either. Zach Cunningham's an IR. Another LSU product, by the way, Christian Fulton. He's, He's great. He's fantastic. Bud Dupree didn't play. And I know Denver has had their issues. But this Tennessee Titans team held them to 10 points. And the Broncos touchdown was off a total blown coverage. Tennessee makes other teams one-dimensional. You're and Derrick Henry didn't even run for 100 this week. He didn't even run for 90. I know. Ryan Tannehill came back. If Malik Willis pulls a rabbit out of his hat and the Tennessee Titans beat Kansas City last week, the NFL is such a strange place. The Titans are a, a number one alone on top of the AFC right now. Now, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And you're going to look at all the Titans numbers, and you're going to say, what a damn train wreck. And you might be right. But this Denver team, the Denver defense is number one against the pass. They, they're good. Ryan Taylor, and by the way, Patrick Sertain, Jr., is the best quarterback in the NFL, and it's not even close. Oh, he's amazing. Not even close. So, Ryan Tannehill comes back, and uh, listen, I uh, 
I'm okay with regular season Ryan Tannehill. I will beg for regular season Ryan Tannehill. Now, playoff Ryan Tannehill is a different guy. I don't know what he does a regular season Ryan Tannehill. I don't like playoff Ryan Tannehill, but it's still the regular season. He comes out here, throws for 250 and two scores, and they get the job done basically without Derrick Henry. Now, you go to Green Bay. Green Bay needs to run the football because of everything that you've said for the past year about Aaron Rodgers. I will tell you this. There, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are not going to chunk this Titans defense, especially – Oh, no. Oh, not they at are. all. Forget he it. Against the run. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to throw this football 40 times if the Packers want to win this game. If they're going to win this football game, the Titans are going to make Aaron Rodgers be more than what you think he is, Chief, especially if Derrick Henry gets going because the Packers are also not good against the run. This is a terrible matchup for the Green Bay Packers. And I never come on this podcast lobbying for my Tennessee Titans. And they have tons of flaws on the offensive side of the football. They have tons of flaws. They need to make the game ugly. And I think, and also they've been historically bad in Lambeau. You're going to look at all the offense, not you. I'm just saying you look at all the offensive numbers, all the metrics, the historical numbers of Tennessee going to play in Lambeau is effing horrible. But this Mike Vrabel team, they sat out a lot of guys last week that I'm hoping play on the short week, and I'm thinking that's what they were hoping as well, to get these guys back for Thursday. They're going to make Aaron Rodgers work for this win. I think it's going to be a three- to four-point game either way. I don't know who wins the game, but I think the Titans go up in Lambeau, and I think they make it really rough, and I think they're going to make Aaron Rodgers be the guy that the public thinks he is and not the guy that Chief uh, and, and, and you know, the mirage, the Aaron Rodgers mirage, that Chief's basically calling it here. Yeah. I mean, look, I – look, I'm, I'm, I, I will stick with my takes. How, how, how else do you feel like the Packers were going to win this game? Because here's why. If they were going to – if they were going to have Aaron Rodgers throw the ball 40 times, the Cowboys were going to blow the blow the top off of this offense. Like – He's going to be on the ground every other play. So I, I understand the dynamics of that as well. But once again, listen, you, you very little shade from me in terms of Aaron Rodgers this week. They went out. They won a football game. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot bash the team. But I did want to point out the Rodgers numbers. I do think that uh, the Packers lose this game on a short week. Here's why. Short week is okay for the running game, not good for the passing game. And I think we even saw – I think I think we've seen that before. Here's what travels in the NFL, Luke. Any NFL analyst will tell you this. Any NFL player will tell you this. There's two things that travel well, a running game and a defense. Short week, on the road. You know Derrick Henry's going to be chomping at the bit, got bottled up last week, and the defense is going to be ready to show the world how terrible Aaron Rodgers is. I think the Titans come out of this game. I think the Titans come through with this one, Luke, 17-10. Low-scoring game, 17-10 Titans. That's my call. I think you might see it. This is it's strange how it works, and – much like Washington, Tennessee wants to make teams one-dimensional. You might see Rodgers with a 300-yard number, but he's going to throw the ball 45 times. They may or may not win. It may be an ugly game. He might win by a field goal and get the 300 yards. 
but that's what it's going to take. So I, I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be a really good, ugly football game. Nobody but outside Luke's- of me and the rest of the Titans fan likes to see ugly football. If you turn on a Titans game, that's exactly what you're going to get. Ugly Mike Rabel football. But, Luke, here's the thing. And we can't take them away, okay? We can't take them away. So, I, But I, I do want to illustrate a point here. If you take away, because this is an anomaly, right? Like, that's what this is. Christian Watson had four catches for 107 yards, and three of them were touchdowns. That's not happening this week. So you can just you can just throw that out of the window. That's not happening this week, right? The random weird touch. No, that's not happening this week. Tennessee, it, I might not believe in Tennessee's offense as a whole, Luch, and I, I'll go on record telling you that. I don't believe in their offense as a whole. I believe in Derrick Henry offensive line i don't believe in their offense as a whole if they were more healthy i'd have a different outlook on this they're not great right now with all these pieces missing and just you know um they're just not what i do believe in is derrick henry and i do believe in this defense here's why how many yards did russell wilson throw for this past week 280 280 how many points did the Denver Broncos score? Ten. How many yards did Patrick Mahomes throw for just the week prior? He also threw the ball like seventy times, dude. So I, I you know, but but, but, but I, this this I'm actually supporting Tennessee in this. How many yards did he throw for? Four hundred something on like sixty. How many points did that team score on four hundred yards of passing from Patrick Mahomes? Because they couldn't run the football right at all. But 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 that's my point, right? Aaron Rodgers could throw for three hundred, they could still lose this game by ten points. The, the, you give like this defense, like I don't think people realize actually how good this defense is. It's what Lovey Smith wants to be in Houston but he doesn't have the right pieces to pull it off. You might be able to throw between the 20s, but you're not scoring touchdowns. What can the Green Bay Packers not do outside of this past week with Christian Watson having the game of his life? They can't score touchdowns. Guess what the Denver Broncos can't do? They can't score touchdowns. If you can't score touchdowns, the Kansas City Chiefs could barely score touchdowns and this is one of the more high-octane offenses in the league. If you if, – Luch, if I told you today without knowing what happened that Patrick Mahomes threw for 450 basically against the Tennessee Titans, you'd say, my God, they must have beat the Titans 38-10. to 10. The Titans pretty much won the game. I just don't think if Aaron – I don't care if Aaron throws for 500. What has Tennessee proven to us over this season? You can throw for as many yards as you want. As long as you're not scoring touchdowns, we don't care. We'll get the ball. We'll run with Derrick Henry. We'll play ball control. You're not going to run the football. And they're going to make Aaron Rodgers throw to. I am Look, they're going to make Aaron Rodgers throw to probably one of the interesting wide receiving cores he's had in 10 years. What do you think is going to happen this week? Christian Watson's not going for 104 and three touchdowns. That, that's not happening. Christian Watson may go for 50. You, you, you get what I'm saying? I just don't see Packers doing anything this week despite them winning against the Cowboys. I, I don't care. 
this defense is going to make Aaron Rodgers have to work. And guess what happens when Aaron Rodgers has to do real work? We're going to see a very frustrated Aaron Rodgers this week. That He's going to be throwing his helmet. He's going to be blaming the players. He's going to be blaming the coach. I can already tell you how this press conference is going to go this week, and he's going to be pointing one finger at everybody and forget about the other three that are pointing back at him because he's going to be the reason they lose this game this week. And you can go ahead and put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Yeah. Monday energy. Monday afternoon electrolytes pumping through my veins right here, Chief. I thought you'd get excited about this. I didn't realize I was about to go on a Titans rant, but I listen, I believe I'm accurate in my assessment of this game. I, I, I think so on how things have gone this season. But but it's the NFL and one fumble, one field position flip could oh, it's all it takes. One special team meltdown, you know, a muff punt, and this game, like the way the Titans play, they cannot afford to give anybody any wiggle room at all because their offense is still working its way back. Traylon Burks finally back is a huge key cog. They were missing him. Um, Austin Hooper's finally getting involved. They have some pieces here. You know, Chigakonko, the rookie tight end from Maryland, super athletic. Uh, they need Robert Woods, and they need Kyle Phillips back. We'll see. I, I think this is going to be a very close game, but the Titans are a team that have no margin for error in any NFL football game, any football game. Maybe the Green Bay Packers don't either at this point. So it's, it's going to be a really good game. I, I think it's a field goal game, a four-point game either way, and uh, it's going to be a good one. Listen, let's let's talk about some other games quick. Uh, not quick, but, you know, at a steady pace here. And this is one game we talked about uh, before the Jets buy. It, they're traveling to New England. New England's favored by three. The Patriots are playing some pretty good football by now. And uh, boy, oh, boy, is this a pivotal pivotal. Pivotal game. Why am I making up words? Pivotable. Is pivotable a word? Pivotable. I'm going to have to Google that. A pivotal game in the AFC for all things considered. Can the Jets steal one up in Foxborough? Coming off a bye week here. And maybe a coach that isn't getting enough credit is Robert Salah and the things that he has done. And the locker room has bought in. Just amazing stuff there. Huge kudos to the Jets, who I don't think people are talking about enough this season. Winning cures all. If you buy in and the wins start to come, the team starts to believe. And guess what? The coach gets the gets the attention of the room. Why? We're winning football games. So something he's telling us must be working. Let's continue to listen to a little bit more what he has to say week to week to week. How do I know this, Luch? I played sports. Right, I played sports pretty much my whole life. One of the things, and I and I've been a coach a good portion of my adult life. I've also been the product of a team. Look, and I, I coach high school sports. Okay, so I don't want you guys to think I'm out here coaching some, you know, high school sports. Okay, but here's what I understand: if you can get the players to believe. And to buy in to what you're trying to tell them and share with them. That's going to do wonders for your season. Right? And I'm going to give you a a very short, hopefully, JV basketball story, girls basketball, about how that works. 
So if you don't know much about girls basketball, and I know this is a football podcast, uh, oftentimes when the season starts, even in boys basketball, but especially girls, they're a little rusty sometimes because I feel like perhaps girls don't get uh, the same attention in the offseason as the guys do. And it is picking up where they're playing a basketball or they're training or they're doing things to keep themselves going in the offseason. Luch, on the first day of practice, without fail, every season, I go through every player and I say, hey, you know, uh, what's your favorite color? What type of food do you like to eat? What type of music do you like to listen to? Have any sisters or brothers? What do you like to do for fun? Where do you like to go travel? Right? How many of you grew up here? And you ask these, I ask these types of personal questions for a reason. Because, Luch, what I'm trying to demonstrate is that we're all going to grow up a different way. We're all going to be different. We're going to have interests, different hobbies. But guess what? When we get inside of this rectangular box here, we're one of the same unit. We've got on the same jersey. We represent the same school. We're all representing a purpose, right? And we're and we're all part of the same family at this point. Because the season started now. There's no more fun and games. Then I say, all right, does everybody understand what I'm trying to demonstrate here? We've all got to be on the same wavelength if we want to get the things done that we want to get done, right? We're all going to be different. We're going to have different roles to play, some some more or less than others. But each one of us is equally important in the role that we have, and that's to support what we're trying to get done here. And then I roll the balls out, and I already know what's going to happen, Luch. I say, hey, let's get the layup drill going. I'll let them go for five minutes. Here's what's going to happen within those five minutes, Luch. Half the team is going to miss layups. And guess what they're going to do as they miss the layups? They're going to drop their head and run to the rebound line. They're going to say, oh, they're going to miss another one. Another head's going to drop. They're going to commence to do that for about five minutes. Then here's what I'm going to do, Luke. I'm going to stop the line. I'm going to say, everybody line up on the baseline. I'm going to say, now, look, I've got one rule of thumb. And no, don't be afraid. We're not about to run laps. Here's my rule of thumb. I don't care if you miss the layups. What I don't want you to do is give up on the next play or give up on yourself. I don't want to see, hear me out. I don't want to see heads dropping when we miss the layups. Here's what I want. If you miss a layup, I want you to turn around and start running as hard as you can, and let's get back on defense. What does that do, Luke? It sets an expectation that we're not going to have a losing mentality, right? No matter what happens, we're going to continue to fight until the end. Well, Luke, here's what happens inversely, inversely of what I'm trying to teach them. Do you know how many layups they start to miss now? A whole lot less. Why? Because they're not afraid that they're letting me down because they missed an easy shot. Because my expectation is that we continue to play basketball. 
not worry about the other outside things that we can't control. You're going to miss layups. I need you to keep playing basketball, right? Here's why I'm saying that, Luke. The culture changes, right, when the coach has realistic expectations and the team buys in. Why am I saying this about the Jets? I'm going back to the coaching. I think this team is bought in. We're seeing Sauce Gardner play immaculate football. And even with quarterback deficiencies, we're seeing this team stick together, stick to the game plan, and continue to play. They lose Brees Hall. They bring in James Robinson. Michael Carter continues to play football. And guess what? This team still is winning football games. I mean, my God, C.J. Mosley is a tackling machine. This team is playing great football. They're going to Foxborough, and I'm expecting this team to be very prepared. I'm expecting them to be bought into the game plan, and I'm expecting them to come out with victory. A long story, but the point is I think this team has had an amazing culture shift like the Giants, right? The Giants have had the same culture shift, and it's turning into winning football. I like the Jets this week. Well, listen, we're looking over our left shoulders here and we're yielding onto the holy shit highway because I feel like every time I open up Colts Twitter, I'm saying, holy shit, what are they doing now? They bring in Jeff Saturday, which is great. I love the move personally. The guy is, you know the story, no NFL experience, was a pretty bad high school coach, doesn't matter. The guy can lead a group of men who did it his whole career. They go out there and they beat the Raiders. They run the football. Weird, an offensive lineman who's a head coach, a very good one, wants to run the football. Jonathan Taylor pops off. They beat the lowly Raiders. I get it. It's the Raiders. But the Raiders are still an NFL football team with Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, um, and Derek Carr at the helm. And I still think that's a very impressive first win. Dare I say the Colts have a chance to knock off the Eagles in their next game. Dare I say. Dare I merge dangerously onto holy shit highway here. And I have a couple people listening to this pod thinking, holy shit, here he goes again. I'll stop cursing a little bit here. But, I mean, seriously, the Colts did this. The Colts last season were dead in the first half. They just go on a torrid stretch in the second half. I don't know if Jeff Saturday is going to be this guy. But what it, what happened this week? I think it was a little crazy of them to go away from Matt Ryan. I don't think the injury was that significant. A guy who has been there, he's done that. Well, and Matt had Ryan's the walk baby. He's back. I know he's back. But did, did that bring the locker room back enough? Did ripping apart everything that happened, bringing in a new guy who is highly respected in the Colts world, and inserting the veteran who should have never lost his job in the first place back in, that reel everyone in enough to be like, now we're back in business? What is, how are the Eagles going to lose a football game? Someone's going to establish the run. Can the Colts do this? Are we saying, uh, am I crazy? Am I on drugs? Am I drinking too much? Or am I just driving on high? <laughs> am I driving on a crazy taxi highway right now? Or do the Colts have a legit <laughs> shot? Eagles coming on Listen. short week, a little, a little, a little, an extra day here, or one less day, I should say, for the Eagles. Is there a shot the Colts knock off the birds at Lucas Oil? Jeff Saturday, one and one and one and zero oh, so far as a head coach in the NFL. After this week, he's one and one. Okay. They're not beating the Eagles. After next week, he's two and one. I think they can beat the Steelers at home. I'm giving it to them at home. Next week, they go to the Cowboys. I, I think Jeff Saturday's probably two and two here. To the Vikings. 
I think he's two and three. Chargers come to town, three and three. To the Giants, three and four. Texas come to town. I think Jeff Saturday finishes this season as a 500 coach in an interim season. Um, Is that good enough for him to get another job quickly? Not sure. If they beat the Eagles this week, Luch, and they look good, it's going to suck because everybody talks about the Rooney rule, and I do think rule needs to be in place. They're going to be names thrown in the hat. I don't think people are going to get an, an opportune shot at this job if Jeff Saturday beats the Eagles this week. I, I can tell you that if if the Colts beat the Eagles, uh, not this week, excuse me, uh, yeah, Sunday, uh, or the, the 20th, the 20th, yeah, Sunday, yeah, Sunday. If the Colts beat the Eagles on Sunday, uh, the NFL, it's going to be in an uproar. I can tell you that. I can tell you that right now. My hot take is Indianapolis beats the Eagles in a disgusting 20 to 17 type game. And then the Eagles run the table after that with one loss as the NFC's one seed and get the bye. I think the Colts are the blip on the radar. And then the Eagles run the table and take care of business. That's my prediction. If if the Colts beat the Eagles this week, I'm going to give the Eagles two losses. I still think they lose when they go to New York. I, I, I still think they lose when they head to MetLife. I just, I'm just i banking on the Giants to, to win at home in a tough divisional game. I think the Eagles are incre- an incredible football team. I don't think anybody's on their own tier, though. And there's it's the NFL. There's going to be one or two games possibly three, who knows, where things don't go exactly as planned. And, boy, if if Jeff Saturday commits to the run and the linemen buy in, it's going to be a tight game, I think. You got Stephon Gilmore back there who looked really good. He had one, There was one bad play, I think he had, but uh, came up clutch on the goal line, knocked away a pass uh, late yeah. in the game, and, and did some really nice things. So, um I, I think I need to throw one hot take in there. That's my hot take. Uh, the birds are a really good football team, but there's going to be can, one good on the radar. Can, can I throw my somewhat look ahead? Yeah. In 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 the hat. My look ahead for this week is actually the Raiders Broncos game, and, and it's really about the state of these two franchises. So, you know, we saw the Broncos go out and lose to the Titans, you know, and it's not looking good for Russell Wilson right now. I mean, it, it, this looks like a bad trade. Even though Seattle lost this weekend, like it, this is still looking like a really bad trade for the Broncos. And I'll say this again. It feels like the Denver Broncos are where quarterbacks go to die. I mean, they just – even Peyton – Man, Super Bowl, but man, Peyton looked bad in that in that last season with the Super Bowl. I mean, whoo! Um, you know they 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 they've had uh, the guy from Mint from Memphis, Peyton. Uh, what what was his name? I can't remember his name. They've had the guy from Paxton Memphis, Lynch. Paxton Lynch. They've had Drew Locke. They've had 
Um, Trevor Simeon. I mean, it, it's been they, – they have not gotten this quarterback thing right. The first order of business is Nathaniel Hackett has to go. Get rid of him before the season's over and start – John Elway needs – I don't even know why John Elway has his hand in this pot because clearly he needs to get his hand they, out of the pot. I mean, and so they go and get Russell Wilson. And for me, I was thinking, oh, wow, okay. The Denver Broncos actually got their guy. And Russell Wilson looks about as bad as he could look for the amount of money they're paying him to be the leader of the quarterback room. That, that football line, team. That offensive line is so bad, too. But what, I what, mean, what irks me about Wilson the most is just the obscure things he says off the field. Like, just doesn't seem it's not, it's different than like the way Aaron Rodgers carries himself. He's not like putting blame on others. It's just bizarre deflection. Like, like show, oh no, just show that you can't. Like, it's just weird. It's just always, oh, let's ride Broncos country. It's like, it doesn't do anything for me. Like, Say something with some substance behind it, Russ. Like, correct. There's spaced out. I feel like. Yeah. I, I, listen, I'm with you now. I'm going to go over to the other side, where we saw some extreme passion here from Derek Carr. You know, and Derek Carr is you know getting emotional and teary eyed at the podium. Guess what? I'm all for it, man. I I, I I'm in this thing. I I want to see guys passionate. And Derek Carr says, I mean, the things we have to do, and, and look, I, I'm I'm quoting uh, or paraphrasing. Let's go paraphrasing. I'm not quoting him directly. I'm paraphrasing based off me watching a snippet of the interview. And Derek Carr says, you know, the things that we have to put in our bodies just to go to sleep at night, the things we have to do just to get on the practice field, just to practice, Right. And he says, I mean, this is really pissing me off here. Not only that, Luke, he says, the key, the key word here, and I think I think we heard this from Ryan Clark if you watched any ESPN, the key word, the things that some of us are doing for this to be successful. Some of us. And old buddy, I've been on this road before too, Luke. And I and I think I think I'm correcting this. Josh McDaniels need to needs to be a lifetime offensive coordinator. Head coaching is not for him. I think sometimes we see the, the coordinator and they're doing well and we want to give them, we want to boost them up to the top. But sometimes guys are just really good coordinators. And they and we don't want to accept that, right? I think McDaniels may be gone at the end of the year. I think so. Like, like th- this season is continuing to get worse. And I just don't feel like he's the motivating factor for the Raiders. Uh, I think Devontae being there should have helped this team offensively. And believe it or not, by the end of the season, Devontae's still going to have really good numbers overall, despite these games spaced in between where he's looked non-existent. But his numbers are going to be fine. What's not going to be fine is the win and loss column, as I think they're going to continue to lose football games. And this is going to be Derek Carr's, probably one of his tougher games of the season, because Denver is going to limit the amount of passing yards they can put together this week anyway. 
So these are two organizations that seem to be in disarray. And this week isn't going to help either one of them. But I wanted to point this game out because I think major changes are on the horizon for both of these football teams at the end of the season. I can't disagree with anything you've said at all. I'm going to leave it at that. I can't sum it up any better. Changes are necessary, absolutely necessary. And I know we're running a little long on time here, and we have to talk about GPP Food of the Day and Story Time. But maybe the to. biggest, game, maybe the biggest game of the week is Dallas and Minnesota. So, can we talk through that one? Dallas, Minnesota. I, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. I'm actually going to take the Vikings at home. Um, look, and, and and I know the other side of the coin is, man, just want a big big game in Buffalo. Uh, should be a letdown week. Here's why I'm not saying it's a letdown. Buffalo's an AFC team. They won that game for pride's sake. This one counts. This is a conference game. They, they better win this game this week if they want to keep being elevated as one of the uh, creme de la creme teams in the NFL. And I know that the NFL, look, man, it's a make or miss league. It's a week-to-week league, and I get that. And Dallas is probably going to have a really nasty taste in their mouth. But guess what the Vikings guess what the Vikings can do when they decide to get rolling? They can run the football. Do you know what Dallas's Achilles heel is? It's stopping the run. I, I'm gonna side with the Vikings here. They are one and a half point dogs at home. And uh, I, I kind of like that. I'm not taking anything away from Dallas. I think the defense is just a tad overblown. Micah Parsons is incredible. Diggs Diggs is such a Jekyll and Hyde aggressive corner. We know the historic numbers he put up last year in terms of uh, yards given up and interceptions. You can't, you can't get burned on a Justin Jefferson double move. and I mean, it, it's, it's going to be tough. This is going to be a good game. But I think the Vikings get it done too. I, I think they do. Now, I think it's a very good game. And I hope we see more of Tony Pollard. But I just think the Vikings got this momentum. They're at home. The defense is playing a little bit better than they were in the beginning of the season or that anybody wanted to give them any credit for. So it's a tough one because, listen, that Vikings pass defense didn't show up um, in the first half of the season. Look, let me ask you this, and and obviously we're, we're, we're not getting into a, a ton of numbers here or anything like that, but – just from the eye test, has Dak Prescott shown you enough that 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 the Cowboys ceiling is the Super Bowl? Um honestly, I, I think I think they're stealing this second round of the playoffs. I don't think they go to the NFC championship. For what it's worth, I I don't think I don't think they're they're gonna and I don't know what's gonna happen if they have to travel to San Francisco, who I think is gonna win that division by the end of it all. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Like I think and. And the Vikings end up at the top of this thing by the time it's all over. And I think Dallas has to travel to play football. I'm not sure if Dallas gets out of the first round here. 
Um, and I wish I knew the rankings. Is Dallas going to have to travel to maybe Tampa Bay or something like that? Because Tampa Bay probably wins the division. Is that kind of how it's going to – I don't know where, where – I don't know if they would have to travel to Tampa Bay or travel to the NFC West winner. I'm, just, I'm not sure, you know what I mean? Or if they're going to have to play like um, uh, – who would be the next level? Or if they're going to have to play the Giants or the Bears or something or, – or, or, or Seattle – um, if, if so, then I think wildcard week, if they had to play Seattle or, um, or San Francisco, maybe they'd be at home. Do you get what I'm saying? But it's there in this weird, weird area where they could be on the road first and he could be at home. If they have to go to San Francisco, I'm just going to give them an automatic L. I don't think they come out of there with a win. If they have to go to Seattle, maybe they get a win, but I don't think they get out of, out of the, the second round here. I don't see them beating Philly at home, Philly at home, and I don't see them going to Minnesota winning either. I just I don't see it Un- unless Minnesota and Philly have meltdowns and they can creep back into a, a top spot uh, in the NFC here. I like the Vikings by a field goal. We just saw the Green Bay Packers uh, do whatever they wanted to up front on the ground against Dallas. Minnesota, a really strong zone run team. Dallas struggles against the zone run. How do you soften up a good pass defense and get the play action game going? And I think. That's what Minnesota is going to be able to do and squeak one out here against Dallas. We don't even have time, and we didn't even talk about Tom Brady in Germany getting back on track. Like you said, everyone was hopping on Seattle, sexy pick of the week, you know, all these the D, the DVOA numbers and the whole nine, and Tom Brady said, screw it. I'm divorced, and I haven't lost yet. Despite the ugliness, <laughs> he got business t- done overseas. And uh, I, I don't want to see Tom Brady, like, if I'm an opposing team or a fan. Like, Tom Brady's the last guy I want to see in any playoff game. I don't care if he's 45, 55, or 60 years old. So we will get Tom Brady on another podcast, Chief, because we are well over time. Although this was really fun today. But do you got a, what do you got for story time or do you got any food conversation for me? Oh, I've got a big one. And it's about uh, Hardy's. Carl's establishments, folks. I took a journey to my local Hardee's restaurant. Now, let me just clear this up. Hardee's has been my favorite fast food restaurant for my whole life because that was the fast food restaurant I had in my very small town. I didn't have McDonald's. Uh, I had KFC, had Hardee's, had Dairy Queen for a little while. So when I was a kid, mind you, I went to McDonald's, I went to Burger King, I went to all these places, but it just wasn't in my town. So as a kid or as a teenager, when I could drive myself, if I wanted to hang out with some friends or do anything, where did I go? To my local Hardee's. So that restaurant has been in my life for a very significant amount of time. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, folks. I will not be spending any more hard-earned or not hard-earned American dollars at any more Hardee's establishments. Usually I get on here and I want to tout about the food place or the food that I received. What I'm going to talk about is the food that I didn't receive this time. Went to my local Hardee's. If you guys don't know me, I'm one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I'll give you the clothes off my back if you need it. Uh, You know, I'll give food to the homeless. I'll look out for you. I'm not a disrespectful guy. When I pull up to the fast food window, you can ask the future Mrs. Chief. I'm nice. I'm courteous. I try to have a good time with them because I know they're in the service industry. Sometimes they're going to get jerks that don't care. 
I'm not one of those people. Pull up to the window, order some food, pull up to the next window to pay. I paid, I get my receipt. Now, mind you, when I'm at ordering the food, the lady already feels a little bit rude. My fiance's in the car. She's like, hey, she seems a little edgy, doesn't she? Yeah, but I know she works in the service industry. I'm not going to hold it against her, right? Pull up to the window. I get my receipt. I said, man, I think I might have paid a little bit more money. I looked at the receipt. Looks like I was charged four or five more dollars for a sandwich. So I asked the young lady. I said, hey, you know, I said, uh, uh, the famous, you know, the classic burger had a little thousand island sauce on it, cheese, ketchup, onions, that type of thing. I said, hey, you know, I ordered the Hawaiian burger. Uh, how much is the Hawaiian burger? She says, oh, it's $2.99. I had a few more things on there. I think my order was somewhere to 30 bucks, food and milkshake and stuff for the fiance. Um, and so I said, well, it looks like I was charged for a chicken sandwich instead, which was the, the higher price. I said, so, you know, am I able to get a refund or something like that? Let me go check with the manager. Boy, oh boy. So the manager comes. That's the lady that took my order. She says, well, you're going to have to pull up because I don't have a chicken sandwich made right now. You can take this burger because I've already made it. I said, well, whoa, man. I said, no, no. I said, I said, I actually ordered. Uh, no, she said, you can take this burger. I have to uh, get the chicken sandwich. I said, well, I actually ordered a chicken sandwich, not a burger. I said, it was just rung up incorrectly. I said, I, I don't have a problem waiting. Well, I've got the burger rate made right now. So you can take that. I said, whoa, ma'am. I said, now I wasn't being disrespectful with you. I said, I didn't, I wasn't the reason this order was rung up incorrectly. I said, I, I gave it to you at the window. I said, you rung up the chicken sandwich. I said, so I shouldn't have to be punished by your rudeness because you made a mistake. And she's going off and going, off. I said, well, ma'am, let's do this. I said, listen, she was saying some really nasty thing. I said, can I just get the number to the manager? So she gives me the number after I had to sit there for 10 minutes waiting for the wrong order. And I said, you know what? I'm going to run this up the food chain. So I, the manager was someone local. Maybe they owned it. Maybe they didn't. I didn't care. I called Hardy's corporate and submitted my complaint. Luch, I want you I want you to ask me, Chief, did you get a phone call? The answer was no. No, I, I didn't get a phone call from the corporate office. And I said, you know what? I'm taking the Twitter. Please do not support your local Hardy's establishment. Bad service that I've received. I've received good service over the year, but that left a really nasty taste in my mouth, literally and figuratively, folks. I, I'm I don't like bad service because you don't have to receive bad service. I'm going to take the Twitter. I need you guys to support this. We're going national with this thing. It's going to be hashtag no BS. <laughs> That's sad. And I, 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 I want I you to get on board. Here. Yes. Hashtag no BS. And in parentheses, I'm going to let people know that it stands for bad service. We're not doing anything vulgar here. But they're going to get it from me for this one. Because I've spent thousands of dollars there over the years. And listen, the way that lady treated me, you wouldn't want to be treated the way I was treated. I've watered down this story for, for the live air. Trust me, it was really bad. You're one of the most respectful people I know. So that, that probably says speaks volumes about the service you received. And I, I respect, I'm just like you. I understand the service industry. I was in it when I was younger. And I spend a lot of time at restaurants and bars. So I take care of the people, you know. 
if they're nice and even they own up to things that they do incorrectly and vice versa or, or, you know, everyone has bad days too, but I take care of the, especially spots I go to frequently. You know what? I take care of you. I'm a pretty generous tipper. If the, you know, even if the service is adequate, I get it. Everyone's short staffed everywhere, but to go over the top, to go out of your way, to be rude, it doesn't sit well with me either. So I, I totally, I totally get it. Just for the sake of time, we will get out of here. And uh, I'll bring you a nice story time and food of the day thought next podcast. Anything else, Chief, or are we heading home? Sorry for the long podcast, folks. Let's head home. I, I know this was a long one. Thanks for sticking with us, folks. Just think of this as a radio show and a podcast, and you'll feel just fine on your drive to work this morning. We, we can't apologize. That was good content. I think we had some good fired-up discussions for once. And you know what? We're going to get this yes. out on a Monday. We're going to get this up on a Monday. So go a little bit longer. Add an extra day to it. We will see you guys later this week. We got multiple morning grinds. Chief and I are covering Ooh, buddy. a couple other shows that we're on. So stay tuned for the rest of the Roto Grinders lineup throughout the week. We will talk to you uh, hopefully soon. So uh, have a good week and good luck, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.